Thank you. You can be seated. Good to see you guys. Hey, I'm feeling grateful today. You? Anybody feeling grateful? Amen. You know, all Thanksgiving is, is uh, locating the positives in your life. And uh, everybody has some positives going on in their world, and everybody has some negatives going on in their world. And uh, the beautiful thing about a heart full of thanksgiving is you just keep locating all the positives, and that's the way God wants us to go. So uh, I'm grateful that it's October. Uh, October's a great time uh, in Asheville in the mountains. I'm uh, really grateful that we have finally gotten things going on our Endeavor project out front, and uh, we have been working on this. Uh, what you're seeing right now is, uh, is the end result of three years. I think we have a picture. There we go. Uh, three years of starting and having to change direction and rethinking and repraying and uh, cursing, I mean, just, uh, just sort of uh, <laughs> reconfiguring. And I just want to say, you know, sometimes when, when God gives you a dream and God gives you a vision, uh, it doesn't always, it often always doesn't come to pass immediately. Uh, and I just want to encourage you to continue to hang on to your dreams, to your vision, to what God wants to do in your life, because in the proper time, it will come to pass in Jesus' name. So encourage you to hang in there. I'm grateful for our ladies had an exceptional night, Friday night, our uh, Becoming uh, Women's Night. Uh, and uh, it's just, a, I was out here for a bit of this, and uh, just a beautiful thing to watch everybody that was here. Uh, I'm standing out uh, in where it used to be our port of Kasheri, there's no longer there, and, uh, and just saying hello and talking to people and recognizing that, I, I mean, almost half the ladies that I saw, I don't even know who they were. And, uh, and I'm actually thinking this is a beautiful thing because often, uh, people will come to events like this that may not come to church on Sunday, but it's a great opportunity for them to get touched by the love of God, to get touched by the gospel, to get to just to see what life and the family of God can be like. Plus, it's fun. Yeah. Amen. So our ladies had a great time, and uh, we're actually launching uh, a few small groups out of this uh, event, and we want to just see uh, small groups in our church just go to a whole new level. Uh, we're not going to just have them on semesters any longer, but we're going to have small groups all the time. So there, ladies, there's about 10 or 12 new small groups that have started rock groups and just encourage you to, to find one, get involved and make some connections. And guys, we're going to have our opportunity uh, in just about a month, October 20th. The guys are going to get together and uh, we're going to eat meat. And I have to say, we're going to have chocolate, too, because everybody likes chocolate. And uh, we're going to have a great time, and we'll launch some men's groups as well. And, uh, and I'm really especially grateful for... You know, the Saints have gotten off to a rough start this season, but it was a beautiful thing to watch them keep pounding on the Panthers 
and get our first win in their stadium. So, don't be hating on my gratitude, okay? Don't be hating on my, on my positive attitude. Who dat? Come on, if you love Jesus, say, who dat? <laughs> so I says, I don't know if I love Jesus more than I love the Panthers, but uh, anyway, how about, we, how about we look at the Bible today? Maybe that's a good way to go right now. We're in the book of Hebrews, and uh, it's a series called Better. We're just working our way through some of the concepts and verses in Hebrew. And today, uh, in, in this message, I, I want to talk about this idea, releasing life and energy into your world. Anybody use a little more energy? Come on. Uh, anybody use a little more life? And uh, this is an incredible life that God's called us to. And, and uh, this one verse has some amazing concepts, I think, that can help us uh, to move into this. So Hebrews 4, uh, verse 12, one verse today. For the word of God is a living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow, and it's able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. This isn't my message, but uh, I do think this is a great concept. The Bible, you don't read the Bible, the Bible reads you, right? And it's judging the thoughts and intentions of our heart. But I want to give you a couple of ideas that are, I see in this passage that are so powerful. They've made a big difference for me about how to release life and energy into your world. The first idea is this. Number one, God's word is full of divine life and divine energy. So when the Bible says the word of God is living, that's the Greek word zoe, it's the God kind of life, and active uh, is a Greek word that you would look at and realize that we get our word energy from. God's word is living and active, full of life and full of energy. Uh, whenever God is giving us both a commandment or a promise, and the Bible tells us that this new covenant that we are in is a better covenant built on better promises, God provides not just direction for our life and not just a, a promise or a description for our world, but within every commandment, and within every promise is the life of God and the energy of God. In other words, it's not just up to us to obey it or us, up to us to even try to fulfill the promise of God on our own. So when God promises peace, there is the life of God and the energy of God that is released to give us peace. When he promises us power or joy or love, or favor, or the ability to live a life that's flourishing, it's not just a description of something we somehow aspire to in our own strength. There is the power of God within the promise to fulfill the promise. Whenever God promises us that we will prosper, everything we set our hand to will prosper, when he promises us encouragement, there is a divine life and a divine energy within every promise, within every commandment, there's an inherent power that allows the fulfillment of that word to take place in our life. 
Now, this verse is in the context of describing Israel in the Old Testament. They had been given a promise, uh, and they could go into a promised land, a land that was flowing with milk and honey. But this is describing for us Israel's inability to actually enter into that promise because they were not able to join faith, believing with the word or the promise that was given to them. And the, God gave them a promise and said, here's your life. Here's what I want for you. Here's what I have planned for you. But because they could not join faith with that promise, they never entered into everything that God had for them. So Hebrews 4.2 tells us this, uh, for indeed we have had good news preached to us just as they also did, but the word they heard didn't profit them because it was not united by faith in those who heard. So we see that the real idea of what's happening in this section of Scripture is that Israel was not able to enter the promise of God because they did not mix faith with the promise they heard. Every promise that God gives to you has to be mixed with some level of faith, some level of trust, some level of leaning in, some level of, I, I'm going to grab a hold of this, and I don't even know how it's going to happen, but I believe it's going to happen. And the Bible actually says that their disobedience was their unbelief. It wasn't based on their behavior. Actually, their bad behavior came out of their bad believing. And when there's the right kind of believing, that turns into the right kind of behaving. But Hebrews 3, 18 and 19 says, To whom did he swear that they should not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were not able to enter because of unbelief. Whenever God is giving a promise to us, whenever God is giving a commandment to us, we are, our part is to lean in and mix it with a, God, I believe you can do this. I believe you can change this. I believe you can help me. And I know sometimes when I, you know, we talk about faith, people go, oh, another thing I have to do. They turn faith into that. But the Bible says if you just had faith as small as a mustard seed, if you just had a little bit of something that would go, I don't know how, but I believe it. <laughs> I'm going to lean into it. And when we unite faith with the promise, it releases the life of God. It releases the energy of God. I think it's important to understand this. And, and when people first hear this idea, they, 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 they go, wait a minute. God doesn't respond to need. God responds to faith. Let me try this side of the room and just see if you're here. God doesn't respond to need. God responds to faith. And often we appeal to God, don't you see the need? But we got to think about this. Just think clearly for a minute. If, if God responded to need, then the neediest places on the earth would be having the greatest move of God. But it's when somebody is willing to grab a hold of that word and say, I believe this is true 
for me. Even just, just knowing about God's promise is not enough to release its energy into our life. We've got to grab a hold of it and say, this is mine. The promises of God exist in potential form. And the potential is there, but our part is to hold on and say, God, I believe. I remember one time we had a lady in our church who, very godly, and she came and said, you know, Pastor, I am honoring God with my tithe, and um, we're struggling. We're, not, we're barely making it. And we got into a conversation about what was going on, and it became pretty apparent to me that she was not exhibiting any faith to believe that God would honor his word, that once she paid her tithe, gave God her first and best, the windows of heaven were going to open over her life. And sometimes I think we, we get into this mode where we just think it's, it's automatic. But I've found that every inch of ground you're going to take is going to have to be some level of faith holding on to the promise of God. So when you pay your tithe, you want to hold on to this idea. I am qualified because of this obedience for the windows of heaven to be open over my life, for blessing to come that I cannot even contain. Proverbs 3 tells us if we'll bring our first and our best to the Lord, our barns will be filled with plenty and our vats will overflow with new wine. Faith holds on to that. See, some people are, you know, are, as I'm even preaching this, some people are going, oh, wait a minute, I don't know if I believe that. You're the person I'm talking to. <laughs> if you can't believe that God will forgive you completely, even though he's made a promise to do so, you're going to end up living your whole life in guilt and condemnation. When God wants you to be free and enjoy the love that he has for you, but if you can't believe that Jesus' sacrifice was enough for you to be forgiven, you're going to you might be a Christian but you're going to be a miserable Christian. Anybody know any miserable Christians? Just stare straight ahead. Don't look at anybody. <laughs> Even though God promised it, you still have to believe it. If you don't if you don't believe you can overcome a sin, you'll never be able to overcome it. If you don't believe that God heals people, it's unlikely you'll be healed. If you don't believe what Deuteronomy 8 tells us, that God gives us power to make wealth, and some people wrestle with this idea, if you don't believe it's possible, you've exempted yourself from the life and the energy of what God wants to do in your world. 1 Thessalonians 2 gives us this idea, another look at this. For this reason, we constantly thank God that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but for what it really is. The word of God, which performs, same word, energy, the word of God, which releases energy to work in you who believe. Wow. So when, you're, when you go, yes, 
that's for me, then there's something that happens where you realize the Bible is not just a book of commandments, are not just a book of suggestions, are, are not just a book of promises that somehow are out there good for them, but maybe not so good for me, but that the Bible literally contains the power for its own fulfillment. Both the power to obey and the power to literally see those commandments fulfilled in your life. The Bible is not just a book that you read. It is literally the Word of God imparts life. It imparts energy for the fulfillment of its description in life. So I want to encourage you today to let the Word of God define your life. Because there are promises and there are commandments that are in that Word that can shape your life into something outstanding. And there's going to be all these forces that are working against you that will keep you from entering into the promised land. There's going to be people's opinions. I mean, you know, everybody's got an opinion. Amen. They're not all good, but everybody has one. Even sometimes your opinion, my opinion, and you, and you could start living a blessed life, a favored life. You could start living an abundant life, the life that God's promised, and people will get, stand back. They don't understand the Bible. They don't understand the life that God's defined, and their opinion will go, well, what, who do he think he is? I just want to encourage you to not let the opinions of uninformed people force you into living a life below what God has promised you. Come on, there's forces that work in this world. There's cultural concepts that people will try to push on you. There's the, the way that our culture defines sexuality, somewhere you got to go, I'm going to do it the Bible way. I'm going to do it God's way and watch her. But there'll be forces that are going, what do you mean you're waiting till you get married to have sex? Warning. There'll be your own experiences could limit you to living a life that's so below what God has intended for you. And you might look back and you might go, you know what, I've tried this or I've ventured into that. Total failure, total fall on the face. But I'm just here to tell you there is supernatural life and supernatural energy that is in the Word of God to lift your life to a place that you could have never done on your own. Come on. It, you might even have family tree issues. Anybody know what I'm talking about? If you got a family tree, 
you got issues, and, and they, they can carry on from one generation to the next generation to the next generation, but I'm just here to say to you that the power of the life and the energy that's in the Word of God can cause you to be born again into a new family that's an entirely different kind of family. And you gotta, you gotta let your life be shaped by the power of God's promise. The second thing I think that is important is understanding this, it's a spirit thing. We're talking about how to release life and energy into our world. Everybody say it's a spirit thing. Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow able to judge thoughts and intentions of the heart. It's an interesting idea, because I don't know that a lot of people make that division, that they separate and go, this is my soul, this is my spirit, because those are the inward issues of your heart, your life, your outlook, and the Bible says that the word of God comes literally to speak to your spirit, but sometimes we evaluate that word with our soul. So as I understand what our soul is, my soul is my mind, the way I think, my will, what I choose, my emotions, the way I feel. And your soul isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it's also not a very reliable thing. Come on. How many of you know that not every thought you have is a good one? <laughs> it's the thought you've got in your head, but I want to encourage you to not believe every thought that comes into your head. Because there are thoughts that are going on in your head right now that are not to your advantage. You know, some people call it lizard brain. But, but what is it in human beings that we start thinking negatively about us, about ourselves, about our life, about our future, about the president. <laughs> Shut up. About the economy. <laughs> I'm just saying, there's a war going on in your head. Second Corinthians tells us we're supposed to spear every thought and bring it captive to the obedience of Jesus. So if, if your whole world is being formed by your stupid thoughts and you're not aligning your thoughts with God's thoughts you're analyzing God's thoughts with your soul you're pinning yourself to the ground your, your mind, your will, your choices how many of you realize that everything you want is good for you 
How many of you realize not every choice you've made has been a good one? Come on. Come on. Have you ever finished off eating the whole package of ice cream and gone, that was not a good choice? Come on, be honest in church. Come, be honest in church. I ate the whole thing. You should not have eaten the whole pizza. All of us, and the Bible says, Romans 7, there's sin still residing in this human body. That part of me wants to do right, obey God. There's another part of me that wants to go the other direction. And occasionally, don't be acting like you're more holy than I am, occasionally you choose the wrong thing. Bad choice. And then, somebody, your bad choice. Your, sorry. That was a bad choice on my part, too. And then your emotions. Hello. Come on, your feelings, they're unpredictable. They're unreliable. They, they make no sense at all sometimes. So here you, here's your soul. Bad thoughts, bad choices, bad feelings, and this word comes to say, I've got an abundant life for you. And you start evaluating that word with your soul And the Bible says the Word of God comes to divide soul and spirit. In other words, it doesn't come to speak to your soul. It comes actually to speak to your spirit. Your spirit is the part of you that connects with God. The spirit, your spirit is the part of you that hears the Word of God. Your spirit is the part of you that goes, maybe that's possible for me. Your spirit is a part of you that, that wants to obey God, that would transcend circumstances and feelings. And I'm just saying, you can either choose to live life out of your spirit or out of your soul. You can live life ruled by your spirit or ruled by your soul. So John 6, this is Jesus talking, verse 63, it's the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing the words that I have spoken to you are spoken in the language of spirit, and they are life. So God's word is spirit language heard with spirit ears. And I think so many people try to listen with their soul instead of with their spirit. So their soul... Their, their mind is going, oh, wait a minute, what, what's, what's he after with all this? Their will, their emotions, their reasoning, their logic has put them in a position where they can't hear God. Come on, I'm not against being logical. I'm just saying there's a logic that is built out of spirit-ruled, and there's a logic that's built out of soul-ruled, and they're very different wavelengths. It makes all the sense in the world to me that God is faithful. It makes all the sense in the world to me that God will make a difference in anybody's life. 
It makes all the sense in the world to me that God can always turn bad things into good things. My soul could come up with all kinds of reasonings why that can't happen. But my spirit goes, come on, man. We got too many stories of God's faithfulness. But my soul is all, even now, I've been walking with the Lord for 40 plus years. Got saved when I was five. Um, Ha-ha. Even now, the logic of my soul is always trying to calculate, figure it out. But the logic of my spirit is saying, of course God will keep his word. Of course he will be faithful to his promise. I think too many people interpret the word of God by their experience when we should be interpreting our experience by the word of God. Hebrews 11, verse 3 says, by faith we understand. Everybody say, by faith we understand. That the worlds were prepared by the word of God. In other words, God spoke and it came into existence. How many of you know that takes some faith? So that what is seen is not made out of things which are visible. And I can't wait to, when we get to that verse, I'll get to preach this all over again. By faith, we understand that God created it all. He spoke it into existence. There's a lot of people who don't understand that. They don't get it. They can't buy this idea. They think all this evolved from an amoeba. That somehow over time grew and came together to form the complexity of human beings. There's people by faith, they don't, their faith, they don't understand. And even though, listen, there's no reliable, transitional, evolutionary fossils, try saying that, but people still want to believe because if you believe there's a God who created it all, then you got to recognize he's God and you're not. He's God and he sets the boundaries. So it's really a moral decision and not an intellectual decision. I'm reading this. Uh, this is from Wikipedia, which is maybe suspect a little. But I thought it was interesting. In 1859, when Charles Darwin's On the Origin of Species, which was the birthplace of evolutionary thought, just since 1859, by the way, uh, was first published, the fossil record was poorly known. Darwin described the perceived lack of transitional fossils as the most obvious and greatest objection which can be urged against my theory. But he explained it by relating to the fact that the geologic record was imperfect. And I'm thinking, how much faith did that take? Sorry to make you think in church, but how how much faith did that take? I don't, I know I've got this huge gap 
in the way I'm thinking about how it all came into existence, but I have faith that somebody's going to find a way to fill these gaps. I literally think it takes more faith to believe in evolution than creation. Come on, I look at my watch and I feel I realize this is a pretty complex piece of machinery. And I just can't imagine that you would take all the pieces of this watch, put it in a bag, shake it <laughs> for a million years, maybe 10 million. Look, it all came together, all by itself. It evolved. That's just dumb. <laughs> if you walked onto the beach and saw a sandcastle like this, something in your head would go, somebody built that. But some people would want to say, well, the sand and the ocean and the wind just made this happen. You can live from doubt or you can live from faith. And, and when you are living a doubt-based life, you're suspicious, you're, you're looking for the negative, you become argumentative, you become cynical, you become negative, you become angry, which I've just described pretty much your whole Facebook feed. <laughs> because you're always processing out of the head and out of choices and out of feelings but you can live a life that's built out of faith and trust in God. And here's what will happen. You'll start to become hopeful. You'll start to become expectant. You'll start to become optimistic. You'll start looking for answers instead of excuses. you start living solution-minded. See, literally, you're making choices to understand from faith or from doubt. And when I let my spirit be dominant, then my soul can serve my spirit. But I find when I'm trying to reason it all out, it's very difficult to do. When my soul wants to dominate, I'm grumbling in the wilderness. Why is this happening for them? Why ain't it happening for me? You never said that, right? That was for the first service. You're grumbling in the wilderness. Your, your soul is processing. You, your, your reasoning is going, those really are big giants. Those really are thick walls. You're, you're locating all the reasons why not. All right, third idea, and then we're going to be done in just a few moments. How to release life and energy into your world. God's word in your mouth releases God's power in your life. 
So this verse, interesting, Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And this word that is translated two-edged is a Greek word, dystoma, which literally should be translated two-mouthed. The word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-mouthed sword. In other words, it's got to be a word from God's mouth, but it's also got to be a word in your mouth. God's word becomes powerful in your life when it gets in your mouth. Joshua 1.8 says, This book of the law shall not depart from your, from your mouth. But you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that's written in it. For then, so if you'll keep the, the word of God in your mouth, if you'll rethink so that you get on God's wavelength of thinking, meditate, and be careful to do, obey the best you can, those three things, then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have success. What a great promise. You can transform your life. You can make your way prosperous. You can have success. You can love life. You can see good days. You could have a happy heart. When you start making your words line up with God's words. I, I teach this a lot. But I still think there are a lot of people who speak negatively over themselves. It's almost like this humility, but it's really a false humility thing. But they don't speak what God says about them over themselves. They speak negatively over their life, over their future, over themselves. James 3 says this. I love this passage in the message. If you could find someone whose speech was perfectly true, you'd have a perfect person in perfect control of life. A bit in the mouth of a horse controls the whole horse. A small rudder on a huge ship in the hands of a skilled captain sets a course in the face of the strongest wind. Listen, I love this sentence. A word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. It only takes a spark to get a fire going. Re <laughs> Remember to set off a forest fire. A careless or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do that. By our speech, we can ruin the world. I, you know what? I love the fact that there are lots of... You can leave that up for a second. I love the fact that there's a lot of platforms for people to say what they want to say, but I also think it's turning our world into an angry place. By our speech, we can ruin the world. We could turn harmony to chaos. We could throw mud on somebody's reputation. We can send the whole world, our whole world, up in smoke and go up in smoke with it, smoke right from the pit of hell. What a powerful idea. A word from your mouth 
can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. Words accomplish things. Words destroy things. Your words steer your life. Just that small little bit in a big horse's mouth can guide. Just that small little rudder, even though the winds are blowing one way, if you get the rudder set right, it doesn't matter. Ship can go in the right direction. Here's my encouragement. Let's let the words that come out of our mouth be words of worship, words of faith, words of encouragement, words of affirmation. Let, let's start to push the delete on words of doubt, words of anger, words of discouragement, words of defeat. You can literally shape your life by aligning your words with God's word. Martin Lloyd-Jones was a great preacher from a generation previous to us, and I love this. He said, most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself rather than talking to yourself. Hey, listen, when you wake up in the middle of the night and all those negative thoughts are coming at your brain, you got to get some words that are built out of the Word of God to steer the ship of your brain in the middle of the night. You got to develop an arsenal of words from the Word. Listen, your prayer life needs to be built on the promises that God is speaking to you. Three things that will release life and energy into our world. God's Word knowing it's full of divine life and divine energy. Number two, recognizing it's a spirit thing. Number three, knowing that God's word in my mouth releases God's power in my life. I want to pray with you today. Would you just bow your heads for a moment? Close your eyes. Father, I just come today with confidence that you are speaking to each one of us. And every person that is here today maybe has come with discouragement or depression, disappointment, or fear in their life. I'm praying right now there's a touch from heaven that is releasing our life into all that you have for us. While your head is bowed, your eyes are closed, I just want to take a moment. Maybe you're here today and you've never just surrendered your life to Jesus. You just never just said, Lord, I, I can't do this right on my own. I need you. I want you. I want my life in your hands. If, if that's where your heart is today, I would love to pray with you. Maybe you're here today and there was a day when you used to be close to God, but you know you're not today. You used to be on fire. You used to be in love with the things of God, but you know you've drifted. Today is a day of mercy. Today is a day of grace. Today is a day to come home. Or maybe you just feel unsure about where you stand. Come on. I don't want anybody to leave this room without a sense of confidence. My life is in the hands of a God who loves me, who's for me.
So if, if it's you, you say, Pastor, I, I want to pray, I want to receive Jesus, or I know I need to come back, or I just, I don't feel confident, but I want to feel sure. You say, that's me, would you pray with me? I just want you to lift your hand real high all over this room. God bless you guys. Thank you. All over, thanks. Thank you, all over the room. Anybody else, just say, I want to surrender my life to this God. I want to put my life in his hand. Is there anybody else? God bless you. Thanks. Anybody else? Come on. The Holy Spirit is drawing on your heart right now. Just be honest. We're not asking you to get your act together. Just asking you to open your heart to a God who loves you. Anybody else? Thank you. Let's pray this prayer together. This is for people all over the room that have lifted their hand, but I would love for us all to pray it out loud. Everybody say, Lord Jesus, I open my life to your love, to your Lordship. I need you. I want you in my world as my Lord. I know I've sinned. I come to the cross where you paid the price for my forgiveness. Today is a fresh start, a new beginning as I receive Jesus as the Lord of my life. Help me become the person you created me to be. Amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord. Amen.